I'm Shadi Sharif, and this is Cyborg. Hush, hush. Did you see what she you did? about her son? Do you know what happened? It's just not right. Her poor mother. I couldn't imagine. Keep him away. Shh. Come in close, cyborgs, because today we're going to talk about the forbidden, the taboo, the ineffable, mental illness. excited about the spooky Halloween season, but the mood is ever so relevant. Growing up, mental health was not a topic of discussion, and expressions of distress were often met with platitudes, comparison, and comments about a lack of gratitude for the life we have. I remember hearing whispers about people in the community, hushed conversations in the corridors, Me trying to eavesdrop on my mother's conversations with her friends. (laughs) My curiosity only growing stronger, the more difficult it became to uncover the truth. And as hard as some immigrant communities try to keep mental illness in the shadows, it remains omnipresent. Over the past decade, discussions about mental health in America have become normalized. Celebrities discuss struggles with mental illness, brands promote the importance of mental health, and of course, endless products are marketed towards us with the promise to be our cure. But while today the stigma of mental health in the U.S. might have declined, immigrant families are a unique group on their own. They come to this country with their own cultural understandings and conceptualizations. And inevitably, those frameworks have the ability to impact their children as well. Today, I'm kicking off the first part of a series I'm doing on immigrant mental health. And in this episode, I'm joined with my childhood friend, Yasmin Farsad, and together we will explore how mental health was discussed in her family and the potential effects that conceptualization had on her. Welcome to Cyborg, Yasmin. I want to start with when was the first time you heard about mental health? Sure. So when it comes to the first time that I was even aware that mental illness is a thing that happens, I remember being in elementary school and you know how um, you talk about like adult things with your friends or certain concepts and you're just like super fascinated by them because it's so foreign to you. It's something you've literally never heard of because you're a kid. I remember someone telling me about schizophrenia or I heard the word schizophrenia and I said, what is that? It sounds like interesting. Um, And someone explained what it was to me and as much as like my young, younger mind could comprehend I thought wow that sounds just very intense Mm -hmm. and um fascinating just what a foreign concept um so that's the first time I remember hearing about mental illness in in general but when it comes to personally in my life 
Um, my grandma, uh, who lived in Iran, she came to stay with my family and I for a few months when I was like, like 10, I think. And my mom would always say in Farsi, um, Amina Afsor Degi Dada. And I'm like, Afsor Degi, like, what is that? It's depression, right? But I just like, didn't, like, she'd say, oh, she has this as if she has like, like brown hair or something it was just like a statement it wasn't really like explained or um we didn't really go into it deeper like I kind of had to like figure it out or like look up depression or you know just kind of try to figure it out myself it wasn't really like a deep conversation I really like your answer because I think a lot of people can relate to the experience of first hearing about mental health as a kid from your friends or when you're in school and not fully understanding what it means but I also really like that you are describing knowing someone in your own family and living with them who is struggling with their mental health I'm curious, did you notice anything different about your grandmother before learning she had depression? If I had to guess, I mean, I definitely didn't notice anything off. Um, Yeah, she, no behaviors that I noticed, but I believe she had a medication that she was on. And I was just curious and I would ask my mom, like, what is this for? And she'd say it's for her depression. And I thought, huh, okay, what does that mean? Mm. No, she was like, you know as much as my 10-year-old self could, like, discern how truly happy someone is. Like, she seemed like, you know, she didn't come off as outwardly very depressed or anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how I found out she had depression, was she was taking medication for it. That makes sense. I'm curious what your reaction was to learning about your grandmother's mental health. Were you confused or worried? I would say definitely more confused. I wasn't really worried just because I didn't outwardly see anything wrong with her. I mean, plus she was on a lot of meds for a lot of different things. Like she had diabetes, she had like high blood pressure. Um, So in my mind, I thought, okay, this is just another med. But I think I just didn't understand or couldn't conceptualize depression. Totally. And I think it sounds like your mom was really open with you about mental health, which is not everyone's experience in immigrant communities. I'm curious, was your mom also open with the broader community about mental health struggles, talking about it with her friends, etc.? I don't think her friends knew about it. Um, I don't know if you would agree also being uh, an Iranian woman, but I feel like... um, a lot of, not a lot of, but some of Iranian culture is definitely very, um, not performative, but like how you come off and how you're perceived is quite important. And I think that, um, mental health or any struggles with mental health would only be perceived at least by the older generation as, just something negative and something wrong with that person Mm -hmm. you know it would alter maybe the mask that people wear i definitely agree that part of iranian culture is focused on image and reputation especially within the context of the community and for some people it could lead them to create a persona or a mask either because they want to portray a level of success or strength, or maybe they're just fe- there's fear of rejection. So it sounds like 
in your opinion, the broader community would view mental health struggles negatively? Yeah, I think anything that wasn't perfect and high achieving in some way or another was was negative. I really like that you're bringing up the idea of perfectionism because one of the most insidious aspects of perfectionism is how isolating it can be. And I'm reflecting on how our parents, although they had many friendships, might not have been able to have open dialogue about their difficulties. And my heart really hurts thinking about them lacking support in those ways. Definitely. And I think um, there's something to be said about being new to any country. I think it would cause a lot of anxiety, you know, Um, and also our parents grew up and experienced the Iranian revolution and a lot of things that happened subsequently, like very big life events that I would think are incredibly anxiety inducing. And like you said, I think it would be very isolating to not really be able to talk about how that may still be affecting you. Absolutely. And as we were talking, I remembered one important cultural event within the Iranian community that occurred and was related to mental health. And that's the psychologist, Dr. Halakui. Girl, yes, <laughs> like, wow. I mean, <laughs> You're so right. I didn't even think about... Halakui, yeah, go Mm -hmm. on. So for those who don't know, Dr. Halakui is an Iranian psychologist who started a radio show where people could call in, describe their mental health struggles, relationship or family conflicts, and he would offer them advice. And this show was revolutionary because I think it was the first time in Iranian culture these taboo subjects were discussed in public, and people would call live on air to describe their experiences. And the show exploded. Everyone was talking about it, listening to it, and it created, I think, a big shift in the culture. So true. Wow, what a great point. I think when Holokui, like, exploded... I didn't really understand the hype. I remember, like, Mm -hmm. parents, adults, they'd be talking about it, like, often every time you'd go to someone's house or even hear them on the phone, they're talking about it. But now that you say that, it makes sense that he was the first person who was kind of putting mental health um, out there for everyone to hear Mm -hmm. discussions about mental health. Exactly. I remember listening to Holokui's shows occasionally with my parents. And even still today, anytime I go over to my grandparents' house, he has his show. And so I'll listen in if my grandparents are listening to it. And it's so interesting to hear how he gives advice and where his lens is coming from. For those who haven't listened to Holokui, he is very... Um, blunt and I think some people might find his tone a bit offensive (laughs) but I actually think that because of his tone he was able to get rid of the stigma and taboo in so many things and he doesn't sugarcoat his his advice he doesn't walk on eggshells he will tell you directly if he thinks that you're doing something unhelpful and is not shy about his opinion. I'm curious how you think your family's view on mental health might have impacted you in any way. Going back, 100% I do. I definitely think that, um, like we were talking about earlier, the trauma that our parents experienced, you couldn't even fathom, I couldn't even fathom. I think I was telling you 
about this. Um, I don't know if I told you about this when I was living in DC and there was an exhibit of photography from Iran, um, like through the years, like from like the 1800s up until now. And it was a whole wing of, um, this museum. It was a whole exhibit and I didn't even know it was there. I just walked in and I see, um, a picture of a woman with like a unibrow and I'm like, she looks Persian. And then I go up and then I hear people speaking Farsi out of the recorder and it shook me. I stayed in the exhibit. I went and looked around and there were photos from the Iranian revolution and like, um, photos of like people hanging in the streets, like off of a massive crane. Someone was hanging because they were an anti- anti-revolutionary um so stuff like that was going on for several years and then after that there was the iran iraq war and my mom was a nurse during that and she would tell me about how she would have to like hide in the closet of the clinic because they were doing air raids and i just started sobbing (laughs) like i lost it it just i had heard about all of these things but seeing it like visualized and seeing like a whole exhibit about it like really got me and I just thought like I cannot imagine growing up anywhere during wartime or during large-scale government shifts that involve people hanging on the streets like imagine you're walking to work or school and you see just a dead body hanging on a crane yeah so that was my our parents reality Mm -hmm. that was our parents realities and i think um mental health was not discussed during that time at all so i can't imagine just being forced to live your life after going through all of that like of course it's gonna affect you it's gonna affect the relationships that you had um have with people so i think having a parent who grew up during that um definitely affected me Mm -hmm. you know absolutely the situation that our parents lived in is truly unfathomable and what's so horrifying is that that is still the current reality of 90 million iranians the islamic regime continues to terrorize the iranian people and we're fighting every day to try to topple this regime and bring freedom to iran Going to that museum sounds like an incredibly powerful experience for you. And you described not knowing that that exhibit was there. So it feels like you didn't have a chance to mentally or emotionally prepare for that. I had no idea that it was there. And I was um, walking around the Smithsonian and there was a demonstration actually um, because it was right around when the pro... It was like January. No, maybe it was October. I can't remember. It was right around, it was chilly out. But um, yeah, there was a demonstration going on outside. I just like walked past it and then I went into the museum and yeah, just saw saw this and I was just sobbing. I was wow. sobbing. And there are people who were like, you know, no one bothered me or anything. And then the security guard was like, is this your people? Is this your people? And I said, <laughs> it is my people. Aww. I just miss my mom. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. It was very, it really made me feel like I could understand my mom in a way that I hadn't before. Just seeing pictures of like bombshells and 
dead people. That's, yeah. That's never been our reality. Right. You know? That's incredible. I love how you're describing this experience helped you understand your mom better and feel closer to her in some ways. I think hardships for children of immigrants is just an inherent part of the experience. And sometimes there's an urge I find to blame parents for the difficulties we experience, whether it's their lack of assimilation or their attachment to their home culture. But something I read recently that moved me was an author describing how it's also our mom's first time living too. And that really impacted me because I think kids sometimes look at their parents and expect them to know what they should do and know better. And it's their first time living too. So mistakes are are an inherent part of the experience. And I think affording empathy to our parents is a huge gift we can give. Definitely. I fully agree with that. And like, yeah, I just, I definitely agree with that. I've so enjoyed our conversation, Yasmin, and have learned so much from your experiences. And I'd love to end with this question. If you could talk to your younger self, what would you tell her? I would tell her that the world is a very chaotic place. There's a lot going on all the time. Some really amazing, wonderful, beautiful things and some things that are not that. And it's okay to not feel okay when the world is feeling pretty chaotic. It's okay to acknowledge that and stop and take a moment and understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling. I love that, Yasmin. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming Thank on the show. Thank you for having me. I loved our conversation. Me too. I learned so much. Me too. And I'm excited for everyone to be able to listen to your incredible thoughts. Oh, your incredible questions. <laughs> love you. Love you too. <laughs> Intro music was written by Optin Akrami. And if you're interested in the research I referenced, you can find a complete list on our website at cyborg.info.